You can't be serious, man. It's a you clap cannot for. be serious. What do you mean, shut up? never cease to amaze me. No, you do We're too. introducing the podcast and you said, what do you mean, shut up? Because you were talking over the introduction, Don. We're trying to make this professional and you're embarrassing me in front of probably the world's greatest athlete on the planet and all other places and you've made us look like a dill. So that's why I said shut up. So... Don, we've had some very, very eminent people come into this podcast over the... Uh, we've now got the best sportsman in the world. <laughs> you do it then, you go ahead. Yes, and we've just got the best sportsman in the world who grew up in uh, leafy eastern suburbs of Melbourne and went to Carey Grammar and was recognised early on for his football talent but decided to give football a miss and went on to world acclaim... As part of that well-known awesome foursome, James Tonkin. Tomkins. Tomkins. <laughs> and uh, you've missed out half the stuff that he was... Uh, he wasn't just known for the awesome foursome. And he was known for the jam ads. What? The jam ads. <laughs> I, IGL or something, <laughs> James, the, the, wasn't the, it? The Golden Valley, Don. Golden, Golden Valley. Valley. Well, we'll, we'll get that we'll, right we'll, too. We'll, we'll, we'll. Now, James, you've just come into minute, the Don, podcast Don, today. Don, just a minute. Just give me... Let's just... just let the listener, particularly as Barney McCusker... As soon as we McCusker, mention his name, they'd know all his... Well, you didn't. I do. You so just said he was I known for the awesome foursome. <coughs> I tell you, he's a seven-time world champion rower. He's a three-time Olympic gold medalist. Um, um, he's been... He's the only person I think I know of, and maybe ever, who's competed in six Olympics... He's at the Commonwealth Games. We'll just get on to him. Yes, the Commonwealth yes, Games yes, in a minute. He's won uh, gold in Edinburgh in the Commonwealth Games for in the eight, and he won a bronze in the, in the four. Uh, he is um, part of the awesome foursome of Sam, Nick, Mike, and James. He is the father. Was the father of the year in two thousand and eight. He <laughs> is in the Sporting Australian Hall of Fame along with uh, another person that's sitting next to us here, Sue Stanley, and um, he is the only person I think ever to have won a championship, uh, a rowing championship in every class. Now. That's what it says. That's the little amount of research I've done. He can tell us if any of that's true, but he is the great James Tompkins, and thank you very much for joining us on You Cannot Be Serious, James. Well, it's my pleasure, Sam, and uh, good to see you too, Don. It's yeah, fantastic. Last time I heard okay, you, sorry. James, I, we were at Mooney Valley, and you brought your gold medals in. Where are they today? Because oh, I fondled those gold medals just right. to feel what they were like. That's right. That was a Hawthorne uh, past, past players game. reunion, which yes. was uh, a lot of fun to see a lot of my football heroes there, Don being one of them. Um, and I forgot to mention you were an OAM as well. So we like to just round off who you are. And I think uh, the other Sporting Hall of Fame yes. member here is a... You an OAM too? An OAM mm. too, not an AO or an OA or a, yes, a Lord, Lord or, or, a, medal, or, yep. or a, a, a Sir or a Madam mm. or a, uh, she is an OA too, so <laughs> OAM. Go ahead, Don. Thank you. Now, I'll answer, I'll answer Don's question. Now, Don, if you came into our house, you wouldn't know that I rode. 
there's no, I don't have any photos up or anything like that. The, the gold medals, they're, um, well, uh, you know. Well, where are they? Well, they're under the kitchen. They're under my bathroom sink, well, actually. Well, mate, I, I tell you Really? What, are yeah, they so under the bathroom sink? They're in a little sink. box. Just well, I tell you what, if, isn't you if you bring them in here... I will get them displayed up on no, a mounted board and I'll give them back to you. You've got to display them in your house, yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah. I, I used to have them... I lent them to the um, Gallery of Sport at the MCG, but... Um, no, you've got to display I, I, them. I Shit. took them back home just to be able to show people, but... Um, yeah, but yeah, like, I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a modest sort of a guy. No, of course you are, but that, that's, so, that's not the difference between being modest and a braggart. I mean, yeah. shit, you've got to show yeah. the medals, you've got to display them. How many people in the, on the globe win a gold medal at the Olympics, Don? Well, he didn't win one, he won a number. I know. Oh. You've got a fascinating history, and I go back to, because I first saw your photograph as a member of the Irish squad. Now, an Irish is a young eagle, and you and that was part, or Hawk, I think it is, and uh, you were part of that. You're in that team. You're coached by Ray Wilson. That's right. Why did you? What happened there? Obviously, you were tall. You came from Kerry, but you never went on with your football. Why was that? Well, yeah, that's right. It was uh, it was the Peter Crimmin squad. Oh, was that down really? at Hawthorne? And uh, so I'd, I was rowing at school and in the summer and playing footy, obviously in the winter and. Um, just to clear that up, it says you were number 27 pick in the pre-season draft in 1989 for the Melbourne Football Correct. Club. And then Correct. we'll get on to that. Yeah, we'll get on to that. Yes. This is early, early doors. So while I was at school, um, yeah, so Hawthorne and Richard were in that, um, well, in Kerry, which is in Kew, so right next to Glenferry Oval. Um, and so I went down there and there was Ray Biffin and Ray Wilson and... Um, anyone who was called Ray. Anyone who's called Ray. Ray Jenke was in that squad, <laughs> actually, funnily enough. And Robert Teal. Yeah, Robert Teal. Uh, the, uh, so Ray Jenke, Condon, Sullivan, the Deer Boys. That was a fan, it was a really good squad, actually. So that was pretty cool. And we played a practice match against Collingwood out at um, Victoria Park. So then it was, um, you yeah, know, they wanted me to come down and play under-19s for Hawthorne. But I, I always knew that I was better at, at rowing and... Oh, I thought you could say better than the under-19s. Well, yeah, no. and so, yeah, I remember Ray Biffin rang up and said, right, when are you going to come down and, and play? I said, oh, so I really want to give this rowing thing a try. I reckon that's, that's the path and, and international and, um, you know, Australian teams and things like that. So, um, so yeah, but then you surfaced... Yeah. And I was doing the yeah. ruck work at yeah, Melbourne. Exactly. And I rock up to Melbourne one and they got this new kid there and it was in January. So John just mm. said about you got selected in the yeah. preseason. That was unannounced. Well, how did that come around so that, that you was, finished up at Melbourne? Yeah, but that was so 1983 I was in the Crimin squad. Then went off and rode and went to the World Championships 85, Olympics in 88. And funnily enough, Richard Griffiths, yeah, who I think he's doing something with AFL Queensland, or he was doing something. He was a recruiter, recruiting at officer Melbourne. at Melbourne, and he was one of my rowing coaches. And he really he knew that it, we you know would take a year off after the Olympics, and he said, "Why don't you just come down and have a bit of a kick, see how you move?" And I'm. I can run so and jump and catch. You had four years to fill in before the <laughs> next Olympics. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I did go down. He goes, well, why don't you come down and train? Is that how? Right. And so I came down and trained. I was pretty, obviously 
well, I was very fit having just come off an Olympic campaign and I can catch the ball and I can run and move yeah. reasonably well. And then I played a couple of practice matches and kicked a few goals. And You played out at Essendon, I remember, or was that that so game? I ended up getting drafted. So a year after the Olympics, get drafted by Melbourne. And I told them, I said, listen, I'm probably only going to play footy for one year. So your choice. But they went ahead with it. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, played, played – so I, I ended up playing, you know, half a dozen games in the resies and played on the MCG, which was really cool, and out at Windy Hill and yeah, things like that. So, so let's get serious, Don. Uh, James is one of the preeminent sports people ever in Australian sport. And uh, was I correct in saying uh, that uh, are you the only person ever to um, appear in every class of rowing? Yeah. Yeah, in the in the sweep, not the sculling, in the sweep. So the two, the pairs, so coxed and coxless, yep. the fours, coxed and coxed, and the eight. So there's um, even Sir Steve Redgrave hasn't done that. So I've got no, uh, no, no. I've one got, up on him. Uh, you've one up on <laughs> in only every, one area. One up, one up <laughs> on every person that's ever rode. I've got a feeling. Now, how did I just? If I could just, how did you? What made you? How did you get into rowing? Did you go down to the lake one day and someone no, said, no, yeah, get no. in this and pull the boat round over there no so we i was actually born in sydney and um uh lived up there for a while and then we moved down to melbourne um when i was in year seven or year eight and went to Kerry. yep and in year eight and one of the masters andrew greenwood yep uh english teacher and one of the masters in the year eight mm. level said you know i think it was my first or second day at school and he goes listen you're a big guy do you want to try rowing oh there you are and that was it that and was i love the sound i love the water yeah and i love mucking around with boats we had boats in sydney always went to for beach holidays and so okay there's water and there's boats involved and where, where, so i said yeah sure where, is it an elite sport it is because it's an expensive sport but it only seems to be the state-run schools don't yeah, compete it's, in it's there or don't have that uh, sport facility. as such. Yeah, oh. they don't have the facility. There seems exactly. to be the I mean, private the, schools, Melbourne, Grammar, Geelong, Cary, yeah, exactly. whatever well, the else. Boats are, the boats are expensive. You need facilities to house those boats yeah, on the side of the bank. And, yeah, and exactly. Then, so uh, so we, we, when the footy show, when the Olympics were on, the footy show did a tribute to... We went down to Albert Park Lake and they asked us to get have a rowing competition. Not one of the people on the footy co- show could sit in the boat. We got in it and it capsized. And I said, is, is this serious? Is it, well, you've done something to the boat? And they said, no, get in and balance on it. We could not even film it because no one could sit in the boat. <laughs> they are, yeah, the scales are pretty unstable. Oh, which, it was <laughs> extraordinary. It was embarrassing. It's amazing how you don't realise how fast twitch your backside can be. In, oh, uh, how the sphincter must It's the most a elegant of, of sports. As a young boy, I used to go to the Maribyrnong River and watch them row the eight and even down to the Yarra. It's the most elegant, it's just, it fascinates me because of the power and the elegance of that. And it's probably the most powerful elegant sport about. Yeah, it is very elegant because you're, you know, it's a six-minute race, five-and-a-half-minute race in an eight and you're almost working at sort of 98% effort over a six-minute period. Yeah, oh, it's extraordinary. So... You know, timing and rhythm and elegance, I guess, is what that 
comes so out. So whenever is, the is championships come up, I watch them overseas, mm. and I watch and the women too. The women are fantastic. Yeah, They're just absolutely. like the men are. But what a taxing! What a absolute physical draining experience to pull the boat for six minutes at uh, rating at I don't know forty. Yeah, 40, 38, stroke, 40, yeah. Uh, and then asked in the last 500 metres to lift the rate. It's extraordinary. <laughs> and, of course, the great danger, I suppose, not for you, but for anyone who's catching a crab, as they say, and, and that just spells the end of your whole race if uh, someone yeah. is undisciplined enough to do that. How hard is it not to do that, James? Well, that, that's the skill. That's the skill. You've, you, you're right, Sam. Pretty much the last stroke of the race should be the last one you can possibly take. So the idea is to absolutely exhaust yourself. And But you need, yeah, as you guys know, the more tired you get, the more <laughs> chance there is as a skill error. So you need to keep your skills right up, even when you're absolutely knackered. So what is the skill in rowing? Well, avoiding catching a crab, yeah. that's one. But Don, water is such a, you know, there's so much resistance. If you make a technical error and the boat slows down... It takes so much effort to get that boat speed again. So the skill is to go as fast as your or faster than your opponents using less effort. And the best commentary, I don't know, I, I just sit and observe. The best commentary I heard was uh, Peter Landy, who was a, a, a coach or a rower, explained the eights at the Olympics. It it's a fascinating sport when somebody who knows about it actually conveys what is happening yeah. in that boat. It's yeah. just not a case of rowing, is it? No, no, not at all. Not at all, especially in the eight. You've got um, four blades each side. You know, the, the way you get the blade into the water, the way you take it out of the water, has got to be nice and clean, no water dragging off it. The way you apply the power. It's like, it's like anything. It's like hitting a golf shot or kicking a football or a forehand in tennis. It's the summation of a whole lot of forces to so, send that thing. So what is your – why are you different to anyone else that has rowed? What <laughs> – give me I, – I think I've got it, but you give me what you think – what's your point of difference? Uh, well, physics – well – Coordination – yeah, no. you gotta have re- you gotta have really good physiology. No, you, you, Me, you. Um, I had a very good feel for the catch, which is when you put the blade in the water. I had a really good feel for that's the water. what I heard. You were the best at it, and just the way to apply that power. Uh, and I also rode with really good. Is people. that a natural <laughs> thing, or did you work on it? Uh, a natural thing, but then you really work on your strengths to make them so, really, so really strong. Is the just also this a layman's question? So bear with us. Uh, uh, the stroke up at the, up the front. Does the stroke person, whether it be a man or a woman or anyone who's uh, transgendered or whatever, uh, do they set the set the? Is it harder to be the stroke, or is it harder to sit up the back of the boat and watch uh, what's going on in front of you? Uh, it's probably uh, well. It's like in some ways it's easier to be the stroke because yes. you you row at the pace that you want to row at and they got to follow and uh, the others got to follow when I moved back in the boat for the 96 Olympics I went from stroke seat to two seat and uh, I found it really hard to actually follow because I'd been in the stroke seat for a long time but the stroke essentially sets the why were you moved uh team balance that year go on explain that well so uh, Mike was um or Mike Mackay who went into the stroke seat so he'd been in the two seat in 
Barcelona when we won and I was in the stroke seat and we swapped that around for for Atlanta. And it just he was um, more aggressive in the way he stroked the boat, which was perfect. It was a much closer, tighter competition in '96, and we needed someone like Mike to really uh, to Harder drive the to thing. row with two than eight. I think the pair is a very hard boat to row. Just uh, a the four, I love the four the most probably because it's like a sports car. You know, it's sort of got enough power, and you're almost as fast as an eight, but you're sort of a bit uh, uh, more nimble, I guess. The pair is really hard because you're. I've got an oar out this side and my partner's got his oar out that side and there's no one else to rely on. Now, speaking of that, are you adaptable or do you have a specific side that you're uh, best at? <laughs> no. It's like, Sam, it's like riding right-handed and riding left-handed. I see. So You, you can do it, but it's terrible. You are predominantly so a right or left-hand Well, I, I have my... I'm called a stroke-side rower as, as opposed to a bow side. That's where the oar goes out the right-hand side of the boat. Or the other side. Well, because we're backwards. My yeah. Yep. It goes out the port side, port that's and starboard. Right, that's so right. The left hand yeah, side. Yeah, exactly. As as you face the front of the boat. As the direction you're travelling. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're a great. Uh, so so as you sit with your back, maritime person. As you sit with your back towards the front of the boat, it goes <laughs> out the, the right, right hand side. side. Yes, yep. we're all correct. Uh, so, so James, now let's get on uh, seriously. Um, you, you've been to eight. Before a start, you you held the flat. You were the uh, yeah, yeah. Flat, standard bearer. Let me tell you when, when you were the standard bearer at the the Olympic Games. You were the standard bearer at uh, Beijing in two thousand and eight. Now that uh, we've been watching the Matildas, and, and I went to the World Cup soccer in two thousand and six in Munich. When you go and watch uh, the country that you're from uh, compete, it must have been a huge honour to hold a flag up overseas and represent the country oh, that yeah, you represent. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, Sam. You know, um, you go to an Olympic Games or World Championships, obviously, to compete and, and do the best you can in, in your crew. But then when I was asked to carry the flag into the opening ceremony in that incredible arena in Beijing... It was uh, it was amazing. It really was. It was. You become uh, emotional. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I remember walking into the stadium, and you know you've got the rest of the team behind you. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the best athletes and the country can put together, and and we'll such a best. long history in sport, and we love our sport, and you know, and there was a volunteer with the Australian flag. And as I approached as the flag bearer, he said, here, this is yours. Oh, wow. And seriously, my I, I was welling up massively and the heart was just bursting out of my chest. Fantastic. And just to walk out and present this Australian team to the rest of the world was... Um, it well, honestly was... Full house at the oh, opener yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. crowd would have, no matter who it is, they would have given yeah, you... Yeah, absolutely. It was a real marketing ploy. Who came up with the name Awesome Foursome? Well, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't any ploy. It was uh, Bruce Eva, oh, the journo. Yeah, Bruce Eva, yeah. yeah. He was writing an article, you know, another awesome performance from these guys from Mercantile or from Australia yeah. and then Awesome Foursome... We pop that in an article, and then that's it. Sort of just stuck, and um, 
everyone of our era has heard of Awesome Foursome. The, mind you, some kids uh, that are really into rowing know about it. But um, yeah, What are the others doing? You've got a very, well, high profile. What are the other three doing now with their lives? So that first iteration, or, well, there's been six people that have rowed in the four. Sam Patton, one of the originals, he's an orthopaedic surgeon, yep. does knees and hips. Nick? Nick is uh, working with Zurich Insurance, who are an, a, an Olympic sponsor, so he's actually working with them with the Olympics. Mike? Uh, Mike is coaching. So coaching he, what? Rowing. He was down at Mercantile and looking, I think he's looking to go Is that off. a full-time job? Yes. And really? James is... Doing I'm, what? I'm working in the financial services area at uh, UBS. Are you not part of? Uh, are you part of a the uh, 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 um, golf? Uh, yes. What's it called? Yarra Bend. Yarra Bend. Yarra I'm Bend. Sorry. Yes. Yes. I, I have a very small, very small uh, interest in. Well, in I only asked that because I saw you on the Golf Channel and you were displaying this Scotty Cameron putter that had yes, all your medals on it that Scotty Cameron has either made especially for know, you or I someone know. made it. It's a bit embarrassing, you. but it's very nice. No, it's fantastic. Mm. And uh, then someone said that you were um, part of the Yarra Bend. Yarra, yeah. Yarra Bend. Yes, yeah, so I love my, I love my golf. So, so were um. you just, uh, yeah... Yeah, I know you love your golf. Well, we're very we've, good at it. We've played together, Sam. Well, I know if you give me the flick. Uh, I've asked you several times, <laughs> you give me the flick. What do you play off? Uh, five and a bit. Yeah, no, you're, you're a star. So yeah. what about the others in the in – the, you've mentioned a few there. The, you said there's six. Uh, so, so Nick's uh, – uh, so Coops, he's up in the country on a farm. He comes from the country? No, he didn't, but he's moved up there. Uh, who else is there? Drew? Drew's an interesting fellow. Drew Ginn, he came into the crew. Coop's um, retired, going into 96. Drew came in. Four years prior, Don, I'd coached Drew at Scotch College. So 92, I'd coached him, and they won the head of the river. And then four years later, we're rowing together at Olympic Games, winning a gold medal. And, uh, so if you were still rowing, and uh, you're about to saddle up to uh, represent Australia in the Commonwealth Games, you would be a fraction disappointed, James. Uh, I would what, be. what do you make of the fact? Uh, I don't know, I don't want you to get political or show your political bias, no matter what it is, but what do you make of a person that bids for the Olympics, uh, bids for the Commonwealth Games, Games yeah. and then just decides it's not worth... Uh, how, how does I that don't happen? Know, I don't know how that happens and I don't know how the number of 7 billion comes up. You know, the previous Games cost 1.8. So I don't know where they come up with that. Just uh, extraordinary. And no acknowledgement of those athletes that were preparing for those games, it's or the volunteers that were so enthusiastic to get involved, or the regions who were pumped about um, So you're a world figure in all this... Uh, yeah, James, and then how do you trust... So you're a world you, figure... Have you want to come here with an event, how do you know, yeah, well, we'd love to have, have you, and then two years later, oh, hang on, it's all too hard. Have your compatriots from overseas... Uh, Contacted you and said, "This is just yes. I can. This yes. is so unbelievable." Yes. Uh, and what have you? What have well, they said I, to you? I, 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 they have said you're joking. Yeah. <laughs> I said, unfortunately, not. What um, have you said to them? I've said it's embarrassing. It is extraordinary. The reputation that has been sullied overseas for whatever is extraordinary. Yeah. 
Uh, what about the other side of another political issue, whether you wish to answer or not, but we've got a lot of gender problems in society at the moment, um, <clears throat> you know, trans and whatever else. In, in sport, in row, in your game, is that a problem? Uh, not a problem? Well, is it's, that a, a, it's not a problem. Well, it's just a... The, the, well, the issue for sport is that, one, it's got to be a level playing field. So the Olympic Charter, there's two clauses in there, one about being a level playing field and the other about ensuring no discrimination. Do you remember? And, Hang and on, the, Johnny. And no, the I'm marrying up of those two things... Is difficult? ...is extremely difficult. No, Don, I'm not interrupting. I'm just and saying... that's the challenge of making it fair for... Uh, I don't even know how you term them, biological males no, and biological exactly females. That's exactly and how then you term it. The, the whole bunch of people that have got both sets, for example. Do you remember? Do you it's, remember? It's really difficult. <laughs> Do you remember at the Grand Prix three years ago, you were walking to the paddock and I said hello to you and you said, I'm off to... I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm about to go over to an Olympic... You oh, yes, yes. Olympic meeting over in... Mm. Lausanne or yes. bloody somewhere across yeah. the other side of the world, and I said, I said, you know what's going to bedevil the Olympics in years to come? And you said, what? I said, it's the people who transgender and want to row in mm. women's events yeah, yeah, yeah. when they're men. And you said, and I said, this is going to this is going to bedevil the sport. And you were yeah. not quite. Um, and I said, mate, uh, you got to be prepared for that. And I think you thought I was a. You gave me a pretty short shrift about it, and uh, no, 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 I was probably off to get something. Rather. You probably <laughs> were, and I was trying. I was, I was interrupting your day and speaking shit to you. No, no, they, Sam, the the Olympic movement is very aware of this for a long period of time, and there's there's I mean, there is so many different issues. There's those, as I mentioned, who are born a certain way with potentially both sets. Yep, that's but there's an Aphrodite. Yeah, well, there's intersex and no. all sorts of things. So anyway, but there are those, and I think that you're concerned about, is those that are transitioning. They've grown up males mm. and they're transitioning mm. to females and then expect to be able to compete against other females. Mm. We saw what happened in the US with that. The lady who swam broken every yeah. single record Leah over there. Thomas. It's, it's, it's pathetic. It is so unfair for the girls. And it potentially could ruin women's sport. It is ruining women's sport. Well, so, when uh, you say women's sport, it's ruining uh, uh, biological. Do, do you have any? Know, I don't even know. Do you have any? Do, oh, no, do you I know. I got three any, daughters. Righto. So if if your daughters were in a competing to get into the Olympics in, uh, and a, a, a woman, a man who transitioned into being a woman, uh, suddenly was competing against her to get a seat in a boat. I mean, honestly and truly. It doesn't matter when you transitioned or what is the excuse or how much hormone treatment you've had. Mm. Here's, here's, if you have... This is the only way to stop it. Uh, it's, so, it's such a simple thing. If you are born with two X chromosomes, you're a woman. Oh, you're a female. If you're born with an XY chromosome, you're a male and that's it. Just test people on that basis and yep. don't worry about anything else that they want to transition as or pretend they are. That's how to sort it out, James. Sam, you make a lot of sense, and it's something that has been spoken about. If you've, if you've got any why, 
yep. in your makeup. You're, you're in the men's man. event. That's uh, and, how uh, simple is that? Yes. Why, why, yeah. why is it so complicated? Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> Can I get back onto your sport? You're in it for a long time. What changes, whether they be dramatic or minor, had happened in the time you were involved? I'm talking about your equipment, boats, oars, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever, you, whatever it is, and how, far, uh, how much further... Can it go in your sport? Well, I started off with wooden oars and wooden boats and ended up with carbon fibre and Kevlar and all sorts of things. So the, the equipment changed enormously. The, uh, yeah, how, what the oars were, the material, the shape didn't really change. The shape of the boats doesn't change or the, the oars doesn't change that much, but the material that they're made of does, make it lighter and stiffer. And then personally... It's more, um, and all the technology, the science of physiology and how to train physiology changed enormously as well. So when I first started, you know, it was the good old-fashioned flogging out on the water. It was just really hard, really intense. And actually, interesting, if I can just uh, go on for a couple of minutes. Please. Really interesting because we went from this really high-intensity training to a very low-intensity training. And that came about with the breakup of Eastern Europe and the, the, uh, the coming down of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. So all of these East German coaches, who were fantastic in their field, uh, needed jobs. And we got a guy by the name of Theo Kerner. Now, we didn't get their science and their laboratory program of... Um, assistance outside of that but we got their intellect and their their skills and we got this guy Teo Kerner and we were shitting ourselves because we thought we're we're already training so hard and here's this East German coach coming and it's just going to go next level well he came out he was the most gentle man you've ever met beautiful so encouraging gentle he really got the best out of me actually just the way in case he recognised my front turn that I was talking about, he's just going, just be gentle, gentle through there, you know. And the training went from this high intensity to long, slow, steady state, you know, just endurance, um, sub-maximum, not even sub-maximum. It's called U2. It's about heart rate, about 150, 155. You can still talk, you're not puffing, but just long distance. And you're trying to maximise boat speed at this really low intensity and it was just the complete opposite of what we were doing. So just the science around how And how train. far would you uh, row? Oh, 20, 20 k's. In one training session? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. And how long and would then, that take you? Don, but then, oh, an hour and a half. Really? A couple of hours. Uh, uh, of intense well that's fairly, that's intense work an hour yeah, and a half that's solid, hour. but you're really constant because it's low intensity you're able to really concentrate on your um and where would you find water that long <laughs> well you, you turn around you can turn around oh i see so, could, I, could i could i no because you are could stupid you speak questions back from the microphone you've got it you, you've got it in your mouth oh, geez, no mate i'm just watching it here <laughs> don are there set specifications that a boat has to uh, conform to, or can you have it as thin or as wide or as long? You can as have you it like? as thin or wide. Um, it's just a minimum weight, pretty much. That, that's all there is, minimum weight. But Don, uh, Sam, there's a trade-off. Uh, you know, the faster the shape, the more unstable it is. 
And yep. so it gets to the point where you actually can't row it. So is that calculated on a uh, – is that is – that Put on a dynamic. Do people look at the wind resistance? Is that yeah? Yeah, to try to mm. reduce, well, you're trying to reduce all that resistance, and it's all those marginal gains. Will there be a Ben Lexon come along and <laughs> uh, revolutionise a, a shell? Well, they might, but the rule is that it has to be. You can't have anything. You can't turn up the Olympic Games in Paris with something secret that no one else has. It has to be available for every other country. So oh. that there's no, yeah, they want that. So level what's the point field. of improving something if everyone else is going to well, cash in on your right. technology? That's right. Do you know how so. hard this is? We're we're filming this, so Don has been while he's been fiddling, has been touching the tripod the camera's on, and he's turned it. <laughs> we're filming the, one of the stanchions that holds the building up, and uh, we've just come over and repositioned. Seriously, it's like working with a monkey. Uh, now, uh, 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 James, uh, we've m- you've been in six Olympics. It's extraordinary to imagine that. It is just just tell us something about all the Olympics or some of the memorable things well, or people yeah. or events in. They're the all Olymp- somewhere in some of the Olympics that you've been in. People can't comprehend. Yeah, so it's in like eight. it's just um, yeah. The really cool thing you go to a World Championships and it's just rowers, for example, or just swimmers. But you go to the Olympic Games, you've got all of the sports, uh, in the, and the village is incredible. Every race, colour, creed, religion, all in there together. And you're just walking, the first couple of days, at your first Olympics, you're just walking around, you know, eyes wide open, going, oh my God, there's, there's so and so, some famous all sprinter right. so, or some so, swimmer, so, and you've So in the gobsmacked. first Olympics that you're in, who are some of the memorable athletes or people well, that competed in that Olympics? Uh, the sprinters, uh, the Americans, the Australians. Who was any Australians well, in the first Olympics? Well, my first you went Olympics to? was '88, and there was, of course, Ben Johnson. Yep. Is that so? You were there for that? Yeah, yep. absolutely. And uh, everyone, if, if, if he was a little suspect, uh, proven so. Yep. Um, and everyone was cheering for. Um, yeah, the American. Uh, no, uh, the, oh. yeah, the <laughs> God, I can't not believe. Linford Christie. No, no uh, he was in that race. He no, was. I know. Uh, yeah, um, the, the, the runner, the, the legendary. Tall, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lewis, Lewis. Yeah, Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis. Thank you, Don. Well done, Don. Yep. So everyone, was, so we're all in the village watching this race, and and uh, we're all going. Yeah, we hope Carl Lewis wins this because we everyone was thinking Ben was a bit, little dodgy. Ben wins. It's like okay. Anyway, overnight, the, the, the test comes back as positive. Yep. And the next day, in the village, the Canadians stitched together all these bed sheets. So we're in these high-rise buildings. Yep. They stitched together all these bed sheets and hung it out the side of their Canadian tower, huge billboard, from hero to zero in 9.79 seconds. Yeah. And hung it up in the village. They were ashamed as a Shame. Canadian team of their sprint. It was just incredible. Yeah, but drugs were rife then. Even that lineup yeah. of yeah, that yeah, hundred yeah. meters well, and subsequent. Yeah, yeah they yeah, were yeah. huge. Well, Carl was man. a bit yeah. suspect too, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. Lewis. Back in those days, uh, the test. What about wasn't you guys? You much? You're a shadow <laughs> of the man you used to be. What was it going? <laughs> oh, thanks, was thanks it going John. in your sport as well? No. Oh, no. bullshit. How come no. you're so big? Well, maybe in, um, maybe in the eastern bloc countries, uh, potentially. But no. 
Nothing. For, the only thing that would help rowing was EPO, which but there was no money in rowing, so ah, you just follow the money. Wanted to get onto the, that. You just follow the money, and if there's a huge contract or sponsorship potential, then people were will you, take extreme. Were you measures. married at that in the first Olympics? No. Oh, good. Well, I can ask this question. Uh, so uh, they said that uh, you got fit athletes, men and women, uh, just all in uh, one campus for for a month, and they said there was a bit of interaction between a lot of them. They even given out condoms. Apparently, did you get amongst any? Not amongst, uh, but did you strike well, up any relationships with any people we might know about? International relations. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Sam, you would have loved it. Uh, seriously. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Rowing. And swimming finish in the first... The games go for two weeks. Yep. So you've got rowing and swimming that finish in that yep. first week. So you've got the whole second week to go out and mm. celebrate or commiserate or go and, and go and support all the other Australian teams. And it's um, and may. as you say, you've got some of the fittest athletes if I on may, the planet there, hang on, that have tapered and they're fresh... And they've got all this energy, pent-up demands. Uh, in that second week, if I it's may, a lot of fun. May I use the vernacular? Did, did you turn anyone over? Oh, <laughs> please. <laughs> no, well, that's a vernacular. Did, did you strike up any uh, interesting relationships with anyone from anyone? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I was very young. Probably not, actually. I was no. a bit too... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's what a good, about the that's a good time. Just change the subject. What about the state of rowing in Australia right at this stage? Strong. 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 Why is it strong? Strong. We've got very good coaches. Uh, we've got very good program. I tell you what is, and we've got a lot of athletes, boys and or men and women, going over to the states on scholarship to the US colleges. So they get over there. We've actually rowing actually has to have selection trials in the US because there's so many kids over there rowing that. Um, so a lot of, they get coached very well at that level, but also a lot of those coaches also coach at the schools. So these kids at school are getting very good um, grounding. In now, fact, Don, that's what happened to me. Can I just... Uh, so my coach at school was Noel Donaldson, who ended up being our coach in the Awesome Foursome. So I had one of the best coaches <laughs> as my school coach. So uh, I was very How lucky. How do these coaches... This is a naive question... They seem to be mild. They're on the bank or, you know, in the arrow. How do they make their assessment as to who is a good rower when they're so far away from the action? Well, they're not that, they're not that far away. They can see enough. It well, is, what, it have is. You got to, what have you got to see? What determines a rower? Well, just how they place the blade in the water, how they accelerate the blade. I'll tell you what, the best way to do it is a thing called seat racing. So when you're trying to get down to the last seats in the boat, say you've got two, you're trying to pick a four, okay? And, but you've got eight rowers. So you have two fours race. So we go and race, okay? You're in my boat, Don, and Sam's in the other boat. We go and race 2,000 metres, or 1,000 metres, whatever it is. You win, or we win. We beat Sam by half a length. At the end of that race, you and Sam swap over. And we go and race again and we see who wins then and if you go into that boat and win again then we know you're a hell of a lot better than sam and so sam so bad luck so that's called cool. that's cutthroat seat racing it's like formula one 
Absolutely. So, so you do that. That exchange goes on. Well, you got eight of them. So you got what eight races or six races? Well, or it can do. I mean, pretty much with testing on the ergometer on the rowing machine, and you do a whole bunch of races, and you work out who actually goes fast and who doesn't through selection races. <laughs> but that you'll do. You'll seat race just for those last few seats, just to work out the hard ones to actually work out who's better. Getting back to the Olympics. Yes. Did you so? Did any of uh, your uh, the Olympic team when you'd finished? Did you ever go and w- watch them? For example, was Ralph Debell? Did he run when you were in the Olympics? Did Sally? <laughs> no, Pierce no, he was at Mexico. <laughs> well, I, well, was were you at the Mexico Olympics? Uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> All right, no, no, no. When was that? Sixty-eight or something. Oh, was 60, it? Something. Yeah. Sixty-two or sixty-three. Sorry 63. about the sixties. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Was Sally <laughs> Pearson a runner when you? Uh, were? Well, she was after. She was in London, so, which uh, I was the, there, but I wasn't competing. What about the pole vaulter? What was his name? The red-headed Steve chap? Hooker, yes. Beijing. You, so I was. You were there. So I was my in Beijing. Is were there any Australian athletes or swimmers? Well, there would have been plenty of swimmers. Did you go and watch them, or who, yeah, who were some of the people that absolutely were in the Olympics when you were there? I uh, saw uh, Duncan Armstrong. Yeah, win. Remember when uh, yep. Laurie Lawrence went bananas and yep. punched Steve Quatermain in, uh, in yep. the interview after? It saw that um, Debbie Flintoff King yep. in the stadium just pipped the Russian girl by like a hundredth of a second. Yep. And uh, you were there. I was there. Them, we yep. were in the state, and, and that same day, Sergey Bubka, one the, the legendary oh, pole yep. vaulter, yep. we were sitting right in front of the pole vault pit. Um, so it's fantastic it's, to be there. But the, isn't it? Good, the, the great thing, the second week, you've got the hockey, basketball, um, soccer, all of these team sports that are going through their rounds, yep. um, and semi-finals and then finals. So you're going off to support of all those. In Athens, our hockey men had been favourites to get a medal or win the previous umpteen Olympics and always fallen short, got a fourth place or yeah, missed out. And, and so uh, Athens was their chance again. And uh, Laurie Lawrence got about 120 Aussie athletes into that stadium on about 20 legitimate tickets. Uh, yeah. Just started swapping pins with these security people while everyone else just barred straight yeah. through. And um, we are in the stands watching that hockey final when Australia finally won the gold medal and it was just fantastic it was awesome and john eels was actually on the Mm. team john eels was on the team as a athlete liaison so someone from another sport legend helped with a bit of mentoring or um you know talking to some of the athletes he was there and he suggested that we should go and meet the team after their medal ceremony in the rooms so five of us went around we were we'd had a few we'd been rehydrating somewhat we went round to the rooms Unlocked, of course, so we went to their rooms. They're out getting their medals on the pitch. And we got a couple of massage tables and got... John went upstairs and got a slab of beer and came back down and we had these cans of beer all lined up, opened, for the team to come in with their medals on back into their change rooms and there were these tables with beers lined up. We had made a little tunnel with hockey sticks (laughs) for them. But they came back in, it was was pretty boring because they were all... They were still taking it all in. Yeah, adrenaline. And so we thought, well, this is boring. So we'll go out onto the pitch and, and recreate the penalty corner that won it for Australia. Oh, is that <laughs> you got right? these five pissed row, or rowers and a rugby player. And hockey is a very easy game. 
Easy. It's easy. You get a ball and a stick in your belt and at the goal. And yeah, <laughs> shit, no, I wouldn't like to be hit by the ball. No, I think when well, you we put John Eels in goals and we were taking pot shots at him. But uh, 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 um, uh, what about uh, your body uh, while on, stutter, while you're minute. stuttering and so forth? No, you're you're an athlete. How is the body now? You're not an old man by any means, but are you? Is there any well, repercussions from your sporting wood. days? Uh, not. Really, it's very fortunate it's, it's weight-supported. Weight so there's just not the wear and tear of just the running, constant running and you know, knocks that you guys get or basketballers get. So, um, yeah, touch wood, pretty lucky in that regard. Um, yeah, soft tissue stuff, yeah, but nothing, nothing t- of, uh, of too much to note. Okay, so I've... Uh Made the same mistake as I did with Ralph DeBell, Don, uh, 1968. You probably went... Uh, Caitlin Jenner was he. I, I know. She, yes. She, but um, uh, Ra- um, what's his name? What was his name? Um, Jenner. Bruce. Bruce. Was Bruce. Yes. When he was Bruce. Was he at any of your Olympics? No, I think he... Didn't he win in 84? I I'm just looked him up. He was, po- uh, he was decathlon. Yeah, Decathlon. Uh, he was uh, in '84, uh, I reckon. Looking him up here now, because um, it wouldn't have been '80, because you remember the Americans boycotted the Moscow Olympics. While we're, while we're to, while he's looking that up, as he's, a boy, he's gro- fascinated uh, with this transgender. Oh, it gives him this shit. Well, he's all no, the, the bullshit, Don. Oh, <laughs> that's all you're on about, you like? Because he suffers from Asperger's. Because it's a disgrace. But mind you, he went the other way. He went from yeah, a man yeah, that's right. into being a woman. Uh, growing he, he growing up, in, um, there was a. Uh, I used to follow the rowing. And are you into the history of rowing? Too. Could I ask you an opinion on uh, a fellow called Stuart McKenzie? Yes. What do you back want to know? in the fifties? Yeah. Like he was a sculler. Yes, and he took them all on. Oh yeah, he was. He was a freak. He was fantastic. Why was he a freak? Uh, well, he always would go on about his wingspan. His, his wingspan. He'd put his. Whenever you met him, you know, I'd meet him. He goes. What's your wingspan? What's your wingspan? Like that's the most important. <laughs> and he like he, yeah, he was uh, he was a very big man. Was he? Very big man, and he had a very what, wide, big, a tall or tall big. and big, and a massive wingspan, which he thought was uh, imperative. Uh, so fantastic physiology, fantastic physical specimen, and he could obviously row incredibly well. But he used to he used to really he drove the. Um, he was a bit mad. Well, yeah, he was all good athletes was a bit, are a little uh, bit funny. He was a bit mad and he'd, he'd go to Henley. I think it was yes. Sam. He'd go to Henley yep. and he'd win by miles and he'd pull in and get his top hat and jacket and be waiting for the people that he'd just beaten and clapped them over the line. Yeah, like he'd you know, taken the piss a bit. Now, <laughs> almost finally, almost finally... Um, there's got to be. I'm still fascinated by the Olympics. Just any other in any other anecdotes from any of the Olympics uh, that you've been to? That's just oh, almost like there's so you know each yeah. one. There's um, what was the best Olympics organisational wise? Did you see the bloke jump over eight foot? Jump eight foot one, which is two forty five. No, uh, didn't from um, one to uh, not one to arena, a bloke from um, Cuba. Cuba. No, that didn't was see so- him. Sodomite. 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 No, great. I didn't see him. That that's if you've ever stood under that bar. What things have um, exactly? What things have amazed you at the Olympics you've been to? Some of the things. Well, the th- you f- there's so many things. Yeah. Um, what's amazed me? <laughs> oh, just a record or a. 
Yeah, when you see this, yeah, the swimming. So we were when we were in the four. Kieran yep. was winning yep. in the pool the night before we would race the next day. Uh, that was pretty cool to see all the swimmers do that. Uh, the international, I saw Usain Bolt win his third. Oh yeah, gold medal in Rio. That would be extraordinary. That was uh, to see a guy able to the whole stadium in his hand telling yep. them, you know, before the race, lifting them up and then yeah. there's noise and telling them to be quiet and everyone's just transfixed and, on this guy. And and the day they find out that he was taking uh, some uh, help, uh, that is the day they might as well close the whole thing down yeah, because yeah, he was an yeah, absolute yeah. hero. Now, yeah. now Sir, I tell you what was incredible, watching Sergei Bubka win the pole vault in 88. And I'll tell you why, Sam. He'd broken the world, he'd continually broken the world record for the last couple of years Number one by miles. And in the pole vault, like high jump, you get three chances. But he, he waited to the end of the competition. So you, can, you, can, you don't have to jump. You can decide you when you want to come. Yeah, you pass. You just, so he passed and passed and passed until there was pretty much no one left. And then he decided to jump. So he hadn't had recorded a jump. And he failed on his first attempt. Failed on his oh, second attempt. And wow. then it came down to that last attempt. One he, jump. He might have been milking it. Well, I don't think he was. And he cleared it and it was the most gutsy. Like to put yourself in that position as the absolute red hot favourite and put yourself one jump only, one successful jump to win the Olympic gold medal. Did he medal. jump after that? Did he attempt other heights or higher? No. That no. was so we only had the one, the, the one three jump. jumps. That's extraordinary. You missed two, that one on the last, and we, I was sitting, I was sitting there with the other, the other guys in the crew, and Rob Woodhouse was there with us, and we're just going, "Oh my god, that is incredible to so do I, that." I don't know if I'm being unfair or not, but Steve Hooker was fantastic, and then he did he get sta- a little stage fright, or did he? Is that a, is that a, I don't uh, know if that's was, the right I mean, word. Yes, yeah. so Steve did the same. He 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 hit his third jump about three times in a row to actually get through and win the thing but uh, yeah uh, he I mean you have to ask Steve but yeah he, I think um, I mean it's a bloody dangerous sport yeah <laughs> you're five metres up in the air on this little postage stamp as a landing thing uh, so they get uh, so you just suddenly think you've lost your nerve or you, I've really lost uh, yeah like, uh, well I don't know I think he did for a little while but then he came back and um, and competed again and, and, I think wh- he, and, and I know you won't want to get involved in but the 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 lady, the woman who um, gave up rowing uh, just in the during the oh, race. I'm so, uh, Sally. Sally um, Robbins. She crabbed you, Sally Robbins. Yeah, yeah, she just froze, did she? Or she just couldn't go up. But that, that would have, I tell you what, if you were part of the team, that would uh, you'd be bemused at you, that, wouldn't you? You'd been be trained for four years and you'd be a bit upset. Happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know what, she just couldn't manage her effort over the... Over the distance, which is one of the skills now that finally, you need. Now, uh, finally, James. Yes, Sam. You get six minutes. Oh, no, using a bit of license. You get six minutes in four years to perform, uh, and you train for all the rest of the time. It, the, the, you would think that, that you'd be rolled, money would be. You'd, is it a? How do you how do you account for the fact? Do you get help from the government? Someone must sponsor you in either, yeah, yeah. and it's rightly so, to put yourself on the line for the country yeah. once every four years yeah. for about a minute of your life. Well, that's right. Yeah, so we were we were fortunate, 
But when I first started rowing, we had to pay, we had to contribute to represent. We'd get selected in the Australian team, 1985, 86, and we had to pay to go and represent the country. Obviously, that's changed now. Um, there's uh, the sports that are successful, they rely on, on government funding. So the more successful the sport is, the more funding they get. So it's pretty good nowadays. But we were very fortunate. You mentioned the awesome foursome and the Golden Valley ad. So we, we were quite fortunate in that we became pretty well known and good sponsors. But there's no real prize money per se. You don't go to an event and there's $100,000 on the line or you know, a million dollars prize money. So it's pretty... Uh, but it does bring a certain sort of person to it. They're not motivated by the money. They're motivated purely by going as well as they possibly can and getting the most out of themselves. Well, now, Don, it's fascinating, isn't it? A genuine Australian sporting hero. And you might be one, but we wouldn't hold a candle probably to... Well, we would in our own right, but not Absolutely. internationally, Don. And James Tompkins, it's been fantastic for you to come in. I'm fascinated by the Olympics. Don's fascinated by how you sit in a boat and how you put the oar in the water. I'm fascinated by the, uh, the more uh, mundane things like who did you meet at the Olympic Village and all that. So we've had a cross-section of questions and uh, it's been fantastic to have you. So we appreciate James Tompkins, don't we, Don? Thank you, Don. Uh, when Don can't think of anything, we do this. That's the crickets because you've crickets. got fuck all else to say. Well, it's been my pleasure, guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks.